Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Time to play with pain. Hosted by Emmy-winning comedian and writer Jeff Cesario. Interviewing guests from comedy, entertainment, and sports. Plus, legendary sportscaster Chet Waterhouse. Don't worry, this shouldn't take longer than your average trip to Costco. And now, here's your host, Jeff Cesario. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, glad to have you in. Thank you guys every week for listening. Uh, we're going to be talking some comedy, some sports, and some worst gigs with a tremendous comic actor and writer from Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, a great podcast, and his new podcast, Dead Bend Land. The amazing Adam Felber's with us. Um, we're going to be talking to him in just a sec. But first, Chet, you got a sports update? Like Rachel Maddow has hair gel. Do I have a sport? Time for the Waterhouse Update, sponsored by Eclectic. A dozen eggs, a dozen different birds. NBA playoffs. Brooklyn fizzles out like a beer-soaked M80. Kyrie Irving so distraught at him, he accidentally got vaccinated. This Justin, Ben Simmons ready to start game five. Bucks pounding on the Bulls harder than stomp with new garbage can lids. The Mavericks like a fat German in a hot tub. They just keep coming at you. And finally, the Lakers are so old. They now say they couldn't hear their play calls because they were coughing up phlegm. That wrap-up sponsored by Par Mitzvah, the golf method that'll make a man out of you. America's pastime. Now not frowning as Elon Musk buys things. Baseball! Cincinnati is so bad the vendors there are selling tickets to Cleveland games. Speaking of, Yankees fans pelt Cleveland outfielders with beer cans. Two of the fans signed immediately to pitching contracts by Cincinnati. That item sponsored by Cataraction, the dating app for people with blurry vision. NFL draft day this weekend, or as your kids say, how long is daddy going to watch men walk on a stage? Each first rounder will give a pint of blood for Tom Brady to drink. That item sponsored by Can I Get a Fitness? Go to church and work out at the same time with Can I Get a Fitness? And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1876, the place Chicago, Illinois, the Chicago Cubs win their first ever baseball game, four to nothing over Louisville. Said Louisville, that's it. No more bets for you. This Waterhouse Update sponsored by Dick Tucker's 
women's clothes for men. Back to you, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you, Chet. <laughs> that was awesome. My guest today has done everything from writing a best-selling novel to writing new rules for Bill Maher. You know, from NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, he's a staple on the hit podcast, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, and he recently launched his new podcast, which we'll talk about later, Dad Band Land. Adam Felber. Adam, how are you today? Ah, oh, Jeff, it's great to be here. It's great to hear Chet in Bonavoce. Um, <laughs> I like that you're kind of rocking a Pat Riley look with the hair now. Huh? Yeah, definitely, man. I'm going. Uh, Are you inspired it's one by the, winning time? One of the few things that's working on me. So I'm letting it roll, baby. Let it go, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That and my hernia, which keeps growing at the rate of my hair. Let's talk a little comedy um, because you've been uh, involved in comedy an awfully long time. What, what did you want or who, what or who did you watch? That made you think as a kid or growing up or whenever it happened, I, I got to try making people laugh. What, what were the triggers for you? Um, I remember saving up like with a paper route to, to buy a TV for my room, which, which I didn't have. And the reasons were there, there were two reasons. Number one was David Letterman. And number two, an even more powerful reason was SCTV because, oh, yeah. you know, I, I couldn't be I wasn't allowed to be like downstairs in my house watching TV at 1 a.m. at that age. <laughs> Right. Like, that's all I wanted. I wanted to watch SCTV. I loved everybody in that cast. You know, yeah. Eugene, Eugene, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Uh, Rick, Dave Moranis. Thomas, Rick Moranis, Martin Short when he joined the cast. Yeah. Joe Flaherty. Everybody there inspired me. It was, was ridiculous. I, Crazy good. Andrea Martin. And as the yeah. show got worse, I loved it more. It, 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 and their worse was still better than virtually anything. Yeah. <laughs> I just. <laughs> Hands down. Absolutely. They um, but what I mean is like they started doing these incredibly high concept 90 minute shows. Yeah. And and, and for some reason, I, even though those were belly flops, sometimes I loved them more than the than the, you know, brilliant sketches, individual yeah. sketches. Anything stick out from SCTV? There was one episode where there were a couple of plots going on at the same time, but I guess they. They had built Guy Caballero, the head of the station, had put the station and <laughs> and a restaurant on the top of a nuclear reactor. <laughs> and the restaurant was a revolving restaurant like the one of the, the old world. It was, sure. called, um, it was called the top of the reactor restaurant. <laughs> you know, There's a lot of what could possibly go wrong. And of course, a meltdown happened and that, you know, Martin Short oh. was being attacked in the halls by some mutated alien. But. That that thing killed me. The top of the reactor restaurant. Yeah, that's so great. That is a real inspiration. I think more than it's credit, far more than it's than it's credited with with uh, with comedians and performers is SCTV. It was so freewheeling. Yeah. It was so you could still sense most of the time that they were kind of doing it on a dime, you know. <laughs> You would see buses in the background of things, you know, you would just (laughs) less than a dime. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yet it was so funny and it was so inspiring. I, I, uh, I liked uh, when uh, Martin Short played the interviewer guy stars on one. (laughs) Oh my God. That was a good character. (laughs) And once he went home, uh, he went to his hometown and he went to go talk to, he was the celebrity that he was interviewing. He was interviewing oh. himself and uh, he went to talk to his old basketball coach played by John Candy. 
And uh, John Candy could not stop laughing at at Brock, Brock Linehan was the character's name. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and uh, Brock Linehan walks into the, like, the junior high gym and Candy just bursts out laughing as his coach. <laughs> you, you again? I can't believe <laughs> just, uh, Everything they did was hilarious. Um, now, now, when did you get to a place where you said, ah, I'm looking at my skill set as a human being and perhaps a fledgling comedian. I'm going to go improv and sketch and not stand up or not dive right into writing. What, what was it in your makeup that said, "Mm, I'm set for that. Uh, Just improv was my thing from the time I was 18 years old. I, I, I got to college and during orientation, uh, a professional improv troupe was hired to entertain us. And I, it's the first time I'd ever encountered improv. And I was like that, I want really? that. And <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. And, and, oh, that's and two great. weeks later, uh, uh, Tufts University founded its first improv troupe. So I auditioned and got it. And uh, it's still existing to this day. It's it's still the Tufts improv troupe. That may and, be one of the uh, longer running uh, troops in the country at this point. That's well, pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Harvard's on thin ice was uh, probably a year older than us. Yale's purple crayon, uh, two years older than us. But yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I still know. <laughs> still keep tabs on all of them but yes i was teaching improv and doing improv uh from the time i I was teaching by the time i was 20 wow uh joined so you took to it fast well that's what i wanted to do it just it just went off like that you just said absolutely boom yep i i I think that's your subconscious saying here's your skill set we're dropping that baby right into the slot (laughs) exactly just lower me down back the truck up that's where i'm going do you remember uh your first sketch or one of your first sketches i remember that a friend of mine and i in college did a sketch that was almost a direct ripoff of sctv's the Smangy brothers <laughs> except they ran a shoe store <laughs> oh that's hilarious <laughs> that uh, is great that, no i mean i wrote a bunch of sketches it was one of those you know back then improv troops did sketches as well yeah a lot of the time. right it was sort of the second city model yeah yeah, yeah. So you mixed it all up. And, and so you start to get some momentum. Uh, mm-hmm. And here is an element of your skill set that I think is different from a lot of people. Uh, you can do the sort of improv sketch, higher brow stuff, the intellectual stuff. You're a great reader, sure. great thinker. And then mm-hmm. you can just turn around and do the silliest shit on the planet. I don't <laughs> think that's that common. I, really? I mean, you can do NPR. And then you can do three stooges. No, I, I think I, I don't think that's common it's to do them with gusto and enthusiasm and skill. <laughs> well, in you, both you camps. remember when we were both on a Spike Ferriston show together, I was the guy <laughs> yeah. that had to like, you know, dance around half naked all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they were it. constantly. Yeah. There. It's one of the great moments, uh, literally, of of uh, my career when I think about it. Um, and I think about great moments on shows, whether they were big shows or not, was you were playing a uh, sort of a, a, a Western local yokel guy. And we had you set up at a campfire. Oh, yeah. And yokel you were narrator. In, yeah. <laughs> yokel narrator. And you were in charge of narrating the show. And every now and then we cut to you. 
<laughs> you would just say, say whatever you were trying to know. I don't even think we had a script for you. And then was, at one no, point, I was narrating the talk show. I was like, well, yeah. oh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> well, around this time, Spike reckoned it was time for him to introduce his first guest. And that's what he done did. You know, <laughs> but then like, there was like a, a talk show would need a yeah. narrator. <laughs> there was a huge break in production for some reason. Something didn't work. And, they, and somebody will go to the narrator. So the booth goes to you and you're literally just poking at a fake fire. And then you look up and you see a red light. I remember that. And you're like, oh, something done went haywire. You just you just started ad living. This complete Band-Aid of a patch. It was I great. Totally remember that. You know, the other thing, because you brought up the NPR and the silliness thing. I yeah. think this sketch was your idea, but we did it together at Spikes. The NPR Morning yes. Zoo. The NPR Morning Zoo. Yeah. Where we spoke in an undertone until we didn't. It was sort of yeah. like... Uh, and uh, our guest will be uh, Madeline Albright uh, today, the former Secretary of State, joining us for Whip About Wednesdays. <laughs> Whip them Out Wednesdays. And get your rock offs with Whip them Out Wednesdays. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, it's that pretty was a funny impressive. One. Uh, hey, guys, that section sponsored by Nugentix. Wiener pills, Adam, directly from Ted Nugent. Shipped right to you. Back to you guys. All right. Uh, uh, let, let's also talk your novel. How does this come into play? The novel's name, folks, Schrodinger's Ball. Yeah. And it's a novel about math and people. And I hate math and I'm very close to hating people. And yet I loved I loved this story. What is were you literally in a math class when I have time to kill? I got to think well, of something. I, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, contradict you there, Jeff, but it, it, it's not math. It's it's physics. It's well, there you physics. go. That's quantum how much. Physics. No, I know. <laughs> That's how much I quantum physics to me is math. <laughs> it's, it's, well, you know, it's, you're not completely wrong there. You right. know, there's a, there's a math element. Yeah, I'm smart enough to know that. And that's where it, it extends. That's where it no, stops. I, just, I wanted to write a funny book. Um, I didn't even know I was writing a book when I started writing this thing. But uh, it's the whole idea of getting something so incredibly wrong, like like uh, quantum physics concepts, so incredibly wrong as the basis for for a novel just seemed hysterically funny to me. And, and you you start to flesh it out. You're thinking maybe it's a sketch. You don't know yet what well, it is. You, well, you've read the book. There's all these tiny little sections, right? Yeah. That's because That's I what had I, a little note work, notebook with me when I was uh, riding the subways of New York City in the in the late nineties, and I started just free writing. Wow! But but it but it all seemed, but I would kept coming back to other sections and other sections, and after a while, I realized, oh, I'm kind of telling the story here. Maybe this is more than than just free writing. And then I started to organize it, and I realized that th these characters were all kind of converging on one big event, which, as you right. know, the the book ends with. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, and that's when you got beat up on the subway. and All and the time. Yeah, I barely <laughs> noticed. I was writing. <laughs> okay. You were literally getting beaten on, but yeah. you were so into the writing, it didn't matter. It, it, the passion for the craft, you know. <laughs> that's dedication, my friends. <laughs> I just, I mean, incidentally, a lot of laughs. Okay, good. Uh, uh, yeah, let me squeeze this one in. Uh, hang, hang on to your thought. It started with, there's a lot of laughs. This is sponsored by Porn on the Cob, Iowa's number one adult store. Back to you, Adam. 
<laughs> Thanks, Jed. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, as you know, it's the Schrodinger's ball is almost like a lot of comedy sketches strung together that somehow comes together to form a single story. Yes, but there is such a great through line just in the empathy you feel for these characters that uh, it's good. Folks, go out and buy it, read it uh, wherever you get books nowadays, which I'm not sure where that is. It might be down at the docks. I'm not sure where you get books anymore. It's on the interwebs nowadays. You, you go there. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little sports because I know you're a huge NBA guy. So you have oh, yeah. to be a little <laughs> bit freaking out. These are some of the best first round series. Uh, you know me in hoops. Usually I check into the NBA third round of the playoffs. I'm right. actually watching. I'm following. These are, uh, and fascinating. even the one that was a blowout is, was fantastic. I mean, yeah. every one of those Net Celtics games was close. It just like, I, I was amazed at how that went down. I mean, it, it took years, literally years, but Kyrie Irving finally proved that he can help the Celtics win. <laughs> <laughs> and has. Yeah, the tragic thing is, is I, I mean, I, I might be in the minority, but I really think if Ben Simmons had been on the floor and healthy, the Nets easily could have lost this in three games. Yeah, somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. they, they I, just I, have a chance. Yeah. There mm. has got to be a way to package a story like that, like the Ben Simmons saga, that leaves us out of it until the end. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> why do i know or care about any of this uh, he's not on the bench know. he's hurt fine however he's got a uh a, a mental issue he's got a an emotional issue he's got a back whatever it is the, you know that's the beauty of when newspapers were bigger because there was just a little list in like seven point agate that said uh, uh unable to play you know yeah. on the injured <laughs> reserve list and you're just looking at this guy Oh, Ben Simmons. Oh, Ben Simmons is going to play. That was it. That was the story. Now we have to follow his emotional ups and downs. Well, anybody could have told when that trade went down between Philly and, and Brooklyn in the middle of the season. Yeah. Where Harden went to Philly and Ben Simmons went to Brooklyn. It's a, what were either of those teams thinking? They're like, yeah, it, oh, you've got a big bag of poison that can't win championships. <laughs> so do we. Let's 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 trade them off and see if that helps. Hey, we're <laughs> only about 200 miles apart or something. This should be a cinch. <laughs> we'll put our poison on the I-95 and you put yours on the I-95 and they'll, they'll you know, it'll be great. They'll pass and wave. It'll be great. I don't even know if people will notice. Uh, I think Philly's gotten the better of it thus far. Yeah. Uh, you never know when James Harden is going to wake up and go, oh, I'm in a new city. There's got to be a ton of new strip clubs here, you know, and then he's just gone. <laughs> it, it easily happened. I, I worry that Philly's done, though, because uh, with Joel Embiid having that that torn thing in his thumb. Yeah. I, yeah, I just don't. I think they had a chance, uh, but now I, I don't see them passing Milwaukee or Boston. Right. Sponsored, guys, by Sliver City, the lumber yard that's in a hurry. Back to you. Um, uh, what series out west is piquing your interest the most? Well, right now it's got to be Golden State, seeing the resurgence of the Warriors and seeing if yeah. that's really going to gel in time for them to do another heroic run. I really love that. Yeah. You know, can I believe in Dallas and the Dallas series? Is Dallas is a real 
threat? I'm not sure I can. And then <clears throat> there's the possibly tragic Phoenix situation. I mean, yeah. when does Booker get back? Can't, they should be able to win it all, but I don't know that they can. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody, I believe, at least in the back of their heads, kind of pulling for Chris Paul to get an NBA championship uh, sometimes before uh, his his knees blow sideways and he's just left standing on the court on stumps. Bloody. I don't stumps. know how he's still so good, but boy, that guy's vision is it's just a pleasure to watch. I think yeah, even really with is. stumps, he could pull down eight assists. <laughs> Yeah, you might be able to. Now, what did you excel at as a kid athletically? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> um, no. Okay, so here's what happened. I was incredibly unathletic. All my best friends were athletes. And then senior year of high school, I grew four inches and dropped 40 pounds. Wow. Yeah, it was 44 pounds to be honest. It was insane. And all of a sudden, I was... I had a body that was coordinated, but it was too late for me yeah. to get good at conventional sports. I got really good at ultimate Frisbee and volleyball. Right. Tragically and late bloomer. That's what they call you. <laughs> that was me. But, I, you know, sports that my friends hadn't been playing all their lives. I could be competitive in. Right. So really what's the happened. dynamic in the group? If it's if it's a lot of jocks and you it just socially speaking, going out to get a burger you know, dating. I just got lucky a lot in my particular like, year of high school. A lot of the jocks were in like the advanced science classes and stuff. Right, like, right. They, oh, so they went to school. Huh? They, they actually, actually went to school. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So like, for instance, I would I would announce the football games. Oh, fantastic. I do have to find wearing, tape of wearing that. a fedora and a big, long, ridiculous scarf. And sure. I'd sit up there in the tiny booth at my high school that was on top hey, of look, the bleachers. It's Haywood Hale Brune calling our game. <laughs> I really had this ridiculous thing happening. That's and fantastic. Then my, my best buddy was our quarterback, and he broke his leg six games into the season. And spent wow. the rest of the season as the color commentator up in the booth with me. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was super fun. What a joy. That's great. So you so you got into the uh, blossoming world of alt sports uh, like Ultimate Frisbee. Did you do any Frisbee golf where they throw it into like? Uh... Yeah, but those Frisbee golfers aren't athletes. Sorry out there. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of letters. <laughs> I mean, ultimate is ultimate is taxing. Ultimate's a lot like soccer. You what really is it? have to what, what, what explain ultimate frisbee to me. I'm, you, I'm you a play it on a fight. football field if you're playing, you know, on a giant field. But you could play on smaller fields, and you could actually play it on the Giants' field. You could play while it on the, the Giants are playing football. They're not using much of that field. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> if they have the ball. You're free to play on the other end. Oh yeah, you got seventy yards. <laughs> so really the only rules are you can't run with the frisbee oh. and and if you drop the frisbee the other team uh, takes possession the frisbee beats the ground the other team takes possession and you're, you're trying to basically make a touchdown pass somebody has to catch it in the end zone that's it really fun wow. game tons of running yeah it's great yeah so it sounds it's a that's a good uh good uh um uh, comparison it sounds like uh, all the uh, exhaustion of soccer yes with none, none of, of the, the accolades <laughs> or flopping. <laughs> no, no, there's not a lot of flopping. Although there, there are collisions. Here's a fun fact. I gave up my athletic career for comedy. Wow. 
Now, where <laughs> do you regret that decision? Oh, yeah, terribly. That was all very, very uh, low stakes. I was a freshman in college. I had I had just joined that aforementioned improv troupe, right? The, right. the nascent improv troupe, and I also joined the Tufts University Ultimate Frisbee team. Wow! I did like two or three practices, and then the two started to conflict schedule wise. Uh oh! So God came in, I, literally, like your parents. And said, yes. you've got to choose one, son. Said, son, you might have lost weight, but let's not fool ourselves. <laughs> so so get, get back into the comedy room. So God is suddenly Don Coriel being honest with you in the yeah. locker room. <laughs> That's impressive. Breaking me this news. Velma, get out of there. <laughs> get out of here. Hey, guys, that one's sponsored by Cole Slaughter. We murder cabbage for a killer side dish just for you. <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, Dad Bandland. This is Dad the Band new Land, podcast. DBL, DBL, uh, <laughs> DBL, sure, Dad Bandland. Yeah. Um, you've been, you're a musician, I would uh, hazard to say. Uh, yeah. yeah, you you play uh, several so, instruments. You so compose. are you? You're a musician. Yes, true. How does this come to you? What 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 hatches in your brain that says, "Oh, ooh, I think I got a podcast idea here." Well, about four years ago, maybe five, I started uh, jamming. No, I started a band with some local dads. I started a dad band. Uh, there was a festival going on in my kid's school and a bunch of us. It was a music festival. And a bunch of us kind of in talking realized that we all played instruments and maybe we should have a band at this festival, too. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> so it was uh, it was essentially dads from the school. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's L.A., so they're all writers. Or, <laughs> right. <you know. laughs> Production so executives at Emerald or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's, it is really uh, producers, writers. And, and wow. Actors. Um, sure. So we formed a band and we had so much fun. We started jamming, you know, uh, on weekend nights, which is, you know, playing music with other people is about as good as it gets. It's special. It's something that uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought it up because both music and improv are collective activities when they're done. Yeah. Well, there's exactly. there's a team chemistry um, as there is in ultimate Frisbee, I imagine. So there, there, <laughs> there's a team, Desperate. you know, there, there's a, there's a there's a, a creative spark that happens between people to mm-hmm. to manufacture the art whereas stand-up is a very solo um activity and i always I, missed that's why i like taking improv earlier in my career i had to give it up like you say there's time constraints and money constraints but i i so missed that and having come up in music i was used to it so yeah. you guys are jamming and you're starting to have fun and we're starting to have fun and we start playing you know local talent show for instance we played the local talent show here in in the in the san fernando valley our community talent show lisa loeb warmed up for us wow in that she had to go home so she went first oh so <laughs> and right before the pandemic we actually played a couple of bar gigs did you say the pandemic the, the pandemic yeah now we're in the pandemic that was the pandemic no we played a bar gig or two they let the band let me name us the adequate bar band Nice. Um, I like one it. of our gigs. Yeah, it was a great name. So you're, you're so close to ABBA. 
Maybe the Adequate <laughs> Bar Band Association. Now you've got ABBA. Yeah, now we are ABBA. Great <laughs> exactly. thinking. Although they never let me do that name again. So after a while, I started thinking, wow, wouldn't it be fun to have a podcast about the music that I'm into with one of my bandmates who's a really funny guy and, 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 a, and a comedy writer and talk about what it's like to play the, the cover tunes as well as just discussing music that we love, but kind of through the lens of a neighborhood bar band. Right, right. And how's it working? You've been up maybe three months now. You've been up and running. Yeah, about three months. It's been it's been so fun. I mean, we we have had guests. We one of the hooks is that we let them be mad at us. The the idea for that was we had Lisa Loeb come on and ask us to stop calling her our warm up act. (laughs) 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 And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had Ninja Brian from Ninja Sex Party, which is a fantastic comedy band. Oh, yes. I've yeah. seen them. They're great. So the week before Ninja Brian appeared, we pretended he was a guest because he's a he's a silent character on stage. Um, and then he showed up the next week and said, you know, you stole my identity. Fuck you. Stop was, yeah, I got it. Yeah, but then they stay. Then they stay and discuss the question du jour, which is something like, you know, what covers are better than the originals? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and you so, come so, up with a with a with a uh, a nugget of uh, a question that you know is going to have some substance so it can carry as a thread through the podcast. Not through the whole podcast, though, because we also have a real-life big-time band manager as one of, as one of the team, and he has a, the hugest vinyl collection you've ever heard. So every week we celebrate the anniversary, whether it's 5th, 10th, 20th, 40th, of some crucial record from music history. We've done oh, wow, that's Wilco's, uh, uh, what's the big Wilco album? We just did it. Uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. We did Jack White's Blunderbuss. We did uh, Deep Purple's Machine Head. So every oh. week there's an album that we have lived with for an entire week. Now you're talking my talk language. Deep Purple. Yeah, Deep Purple Machine Head. <laughs> That's fantastic. So uh, are we looking at an hour-ish? An hour. Yeah. An hour. Nice. That sounds like a, a blast. So It's tons uh, of fun. Lots of laughs and if you're a music nerd, if you're if you're a, right. you know, a lifelong music fan, you're going to have a good time on that podcast. And it's another fantastic offering from the Starburns Network, as I recall. Yes, I like being in a Starburns family of quality podcasts. Yeah. And and good things. And they have your podcast, too. They do. They have this one right here. Damn it. Uh, all right. So you've got such a spectrum of work experience from from a college improv one week in to NPR's wait wait don't tell me to writing novels to dad band land let's talk worst gigs let let's talk <laughs> including writing anything that bubbles up in your head where you go that still gives you kind of that douche chill up your spine where you go who it's hard for me to even think about that. (laughs) And I don't care when it's from or where it's from. We kind of lived through one together, that Spike Ferriston gig. There was an element that was sort of the siege of Bastogne. I mean, there were, there were like four and a half of us because I was also having to function as head writer and, and supervising producer. And we were responsible for a crap load of comedy. And I remember sometimes it was literally like, how do you make a fake squirrel? I don't know. I got to go into a meeting. Just make it. I mean, there was, there was a moment like that. from that show that was among the worst moments of my life. Oh, go. 
<laughs> in my career, which was Go for it. We were hanging out in the writer's room and Spike was relating to us. I think it was a dream that he had <laughs> where there a was a big foot and a unicorn and he oh, envisioned God. an opera singer. And, and, and he was like, I just thought it'd be funny if she was singing like Bigfoot riding on a unicorn, <laughs> Bigfoot riding on a unicorn. And we all sat there nodding politely. But, you know, I've got the friendliest <laughs> face of any of us. So, so you looked convincing. <laughs> I looked. Yeah, you, you had that. Your face was like frozen. I think Spike <laughs> was, was, was going to come and knock you on the side of the head. And so because like you and Joe both were like, <laughs> don't look at me, Spike. And Spike. I kept laughing with me about it as though I got this and thought this was awesome. Yeah. You and, understand. Um, <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, I understand. It, did, it was a relatively funny concept. Yeah. Okay, so we're all working hard. We're all working way too hard. About a week later, I come in and I came in what I thought was early. I came in at like, you know, 930. That's that's early television time. Sure. And the people were mad at me. They were like, Adam, you got to get down to the set. I was like, what set? What do you mean I got to get down to the set? Because, you know, we were all working so hard. Communication had frayed a little bit. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And they were like, there's a unicorn and a Bigfoot and an opera singer in front of the green screen. You're directing this. You didn't know. (laughs) And I go down to the set and I I just walked through the door and they were all talking at me. And I look over the shoulders of of, of our, um, uh, our, our actual director, Pete, I think it was. Yeah. And there's a horse with a horn on his head. Yeah. And there's a guy in a Bigfoot costume. And there is a opera singer, genuine opera singer yeah. wearing like a Valkyrie helmet. And, I'm just <laughs> and unlike and unlike most other sketches, there isn't another writer to be found. <laughs> no, everybody's there's only four. Everybody bailed. Everybody bailed. There's nobody. And and like almost like on cue, the horse relieves itself. And and as that hits the green screen mat, I'm like, you're you're fucking kidding me. This is <laughs> the directorial debut. <laughs> that is a fantastic. That, that piece turned out great, though. If you Google it, you might be able to find Big yeah. the Unicorn. I worked my ass off. I could send it to an orchestration and everything. It was so weird, but it came, it came out good. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Anything else pop in your head before we split? first professional improv gig when I was 22 was um, in a bar attached to the side of a mall in Malden, Massachusetts. It was the bar was literally called the mall side and <laughs> nobody wanted an improv troupe there. there. There wasn't even a stage. It was just like a raised area. And, and we showed up to do the first gig and there were maybe four people in the bar and all of them were angry at us because we were drowning out the Bruins game. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's religion up there. You're yeah. like, can we get a suggestion? Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> that was exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, sponsored, guys, by Zigzag Zit Cream. Your zits will never see it coming. Serpentine with Zigzag Zit Cream. <laughs> my guest, uh, the amazing, uh, multi-talented Adam Felber. Follow him on Twitter. At Adam Felber. Uh, listen for him on the Starburns podcast. Uh, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. And on the brand new Dad Bad Dad Bandland. A DBL. It's called DBL. DBL it sounds Bandland. like a blast. I gotta start uh, checking that out. It really is. And uh and uh, find those wherever you find your podcasts. 
Oh, one and, more plug, Jeff. Can I do yeah, one go. more plug? Absolutely. Do, do I, any. Uh, a few months ago, a new book of mine was published. It's not a novel. Oh, that's it, right. It's a uh, I co-wrote the memoir of an amazing Hollywood character named Charles Band. He's the guy behind Puppet Master and all those all those straight to video movies that right. you remember from the 90s. His life story is batshit insane. I had such a good time writing this book with him. His memoir is ridiculous, and it's called Confessions of a Puppet Master. Confessions of a Puppet Master. Find it online, I'm sure, at uh, several sources. Confessions of a Puppet Master. Uh, what a blast. Thank you so much for jumping on. This was great. Ah, thanks for having me, Jeff. And Chet, thank you, too. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, uh, follow me uh, on Twitter, at Real Jeff Cesario. My album, what was I thinking? Streaming everywhere. The Play With Pain Mugs. Available at jeffcesaria.com, right up in this corner, right around there, uh, up in your, eh, up in the corner. Uh, and I'm so close to getting a check from uh, from uh, Cafe Press. I need to sell like four more mugs I can do. Uh, look for me uh, soon on the road. Uh, I'm going to post some tour dates. I'm going to try to get back out there a little bit now. Uh, Chet, what do you have cooking? Oh, this weekend I'll be in Horsefly, Texas, calling the 13th annual Rodeo on Weed for Blazed.com. Come by the triage tent and say hi. Sponsored by Fluow, Hawaii's strongest cold medicine and 45-hour energy drink. Live big, crash hard. Thanks for tuning in. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.